After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Milbury's gloves are again off for his next chapter as a radio host, talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. Brought to you by Ketchis Law. Since 1986, they've had the backs of every hard-working tradesman in New England who finds themselves injured on the work site. You pay nothing unless they win. So get your free consultation today at catcheslaw.com or by calling 508-321-7000. My guest this evening uh, has been in the NHL for longer than most of us have been alive. He hosted a cup in 1970 as coach of the Bruins, coached the memorable Team Canada in the 1972 series, and held the record for most consecutive playoff appearances by an NHL club for a long time, a Hockey Hall of Famer. I mentioned my friend Harry Sinden. Harry, how are you? Hey, good, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. So, Let's get to the bottom of this Bruins team right away. and Maybe not the bottom, but the last line of defense. This goalie tandem, I, I mean, I think you saw Swayman and Potential, but I don't think anybody saw Omar coming, did you? In fact, the opposite. I mean, not really the opposite because I had never seen him play, but I couldn't understand, you know, the salary, and I hadn't even heard of the guy. And uh, however, I looked at his record with the statistical record, with Buffalo, and it was excellent. If you look look back at his games played with Buffalo, his statistical record was really good. And ever since he's been here, he's just got better. I think when he got comfortable with the team, Mike, and comfortable with, you know, the Boston and the garden and the surrounding noise that's there every night. So he really feels part of the team. And I think, you know, I don't know what, they didn't win the games in Buffalo, but he, he sure had a good record. Well, I, I just, I, I don't remember, and I guess they're both kind of playing the same way, and we'll talk about swimming in a second, but he's so uh, composed and so economical with his saves. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know if I can remember a goaltender been quite this compact. But that's a good word because when I first saw him play, I was in Florida, and um, after I saw him play, I, I called Jerry Cheevers. He said, I want you to go and look at, at a goalie we got, a young goalie we got. I said, you know, really, as you know, but as well as anybody, you know, evaluating a goaltender for a non, from a non-goaltender's standpoint is a pretty tough thing to do. You know, you, you see him stop the goals, but you're not sure the next night you let them all in. But so I asked Gary to go watch him and he was very impressed and he said the thing I see about this kid is why he should develop is he reads the play very well. Apparently for goaltenders, you know, that's what Cheever's thinks and I think other goalies do too, as they read the play. Uh, and I thought back to when we were in Russia and Ken Dryden was our goalie. And um, he really wasn't doing too well, but he was the best goalie in, in the NHL at the time. Well, the difference was he was unable to read the plays in front of the net, whereas um, as well. And the but, Russians are the Russians were going east west all the time, right? Right, and and you know he looked for shots, he read it as shots, and they were passing, and. Uh, uh, he, he himself told me, he said, they, they, they just, I re, I'm not reading them properly. 
it got better as the thing went on. But uh, Seaver's remarks about about Swayman when he first came with us last year uh, reminded me of that incident. And so I've kind of, I don't know how to read what he meant. You know, I mean, I hoped I knew how to read this play on defense. And I'm sure you hoped it too. But I'm not sure how a, goal, a goalie reads it relative to how you and I would read it, for instance. Well, yeah, you would think that he'd be so focused on the puck and the puck carrier that yeah. his peripheral vision would be sort of narrowed to focusing in on the shooter. Yeah, but I'm not sure that's what Terry was returning. You know, I, I think he was talking maybe a, a player to a pass or two or one before the actual shot game. I'm not sure. But anyway, turned out that he's got better and better since he's been here. And uh, he's now, you know, they're able to play on the team they want to. I, I What's been remarkable from uh, my standpoint about both of these goalies, not only that they've been good, but the timeliness of their saves has been mind-boggling. Like, it seems when the Bruins need a big save, either Swayman or Olmark delivers. Have you seen the same thing? Yes. And I, I've seen it on our team, and so have you, for many years. <laughs> With uh, In the opposite direction, you know. The other, right. the yeah. other, I'm particularly talking about Montreal. The other team seems to get the big saves. Uh, but you're right. We, they, are, they do make some big saves late in the game to save it or to hold it, to hold the score. So I'm very pleased. I am. I'm just a spectator, but I'm very pleased with with uh, with two goalies like that. Yeah. What was your? Uh, <clears throat> what do you think the the best tandem you ever had was, or we ever had over the course of your career? Well, the one that got the most publicity was Cheevers and Eddie Johnson, but there was a huge difference between Cheevers and Eddie Johnson. Huge. Uh, whereas this is. There's very little gap at all. There's getting to be very little gap, if any. But um, the other combination, I don't think we ever had one that shared. Well, you know, Cheevers did play with Gilbert in that too many none in the ice season in 79. Gilbert came in, you know, and was brilliant. But I also mind that uh, Hogue and Lemelin were a pretty good one-two punch. Yeah, they were very good. Reggie Lemon is one of my favorite, favorite goaltenders. I mean, I thought he knew how to play goal like anybody I've ever seen. And I remember I went and was pictures the coach of the, uh, at the All-Star game it was in Vancouver of, of the senior team, you know, not the All-Stars of that particular year, but, uh, uh, you know, the alumni All-Stars. So Reggie was in goal for the team I was coaching. And he played exactly the same. 100% stand-up goalie. Uh, took his angle and said, if you can, if you can put it in that two-inch hole, you can have the goal. And he wouldn't move half the time. If you can put it there, you win. And he, <laughs> put, he played in, the, in this uh, alumni game, yeah. game uh, the same way. And I was watching from the bench, and he wasn't moving. He just he took his angle and said, if you're good enough, you got to go. But most of the time, they weren't good enough. <laughs> you know, the, um, I was trying to going to ask you about who, who had the 
not playoffs, I guess, the best because we're still in the regular season now. Who had the what goalie had the best regular season record that you've ever seen? And I'm going to answer the question for you from my angle. Was Pete Peters in '82, '83? He was about as good as a goaltender could be. He ran out of gas in the playoffs against the Islanders. But do you remember how just how fantastic that guy played in that season? Oh, I know it. I mean, we had trouble getting to go to the game in the playoffs. Do you remember? Yeah. And I think you, you're right. If, if anybody really does run out of gas, he did. You know? But uh, that was one sensational season for him. And, you know, I got him from Philadelphia because apparently he made some remark or something they didn't like. Uh, but we lucked out to get him because he was sensational. For I mean, absolutely sensational. Yeah, he he was great. So tell me, who was your favorite, or maybe not favorite, maybe most hated is a better terminology, goaltender that your your, your team had to face over the course of your career? I think Billy Smith. You know, in the island on the island, I think he he was able to he was able to beat us quite often. But he could stir up everybody. <laughs> he, he he certainly did. I was I, I didn't even have him on my list. I was thinking maybe Dryden, maybe Brodeur, maybe Patrick Waugh. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of those choices, right? No, and I'm probably wrong in saying Billy Smith is the best goalie of them all, but he certainly was the goalie that gave us. He gave us headaches. And I remember Terry got in a big fuss with him in the goal, and, and Terry ended up either breaking his hand or his wrist. And I had to bring him back to Boston after the game. And uh, uh, he, he got in the mix with uh, Billy Smith. He's going to stick and hit him on the wrist. So uh, I remember that night. And uh, that's the type of goalie he was. If you remember, you wouldn't—you know—you took your life in your hands to go into his crease. Yeah, and it was a time when he could didn't get away with all of it, but he he got away with well, just yeah. like defenseman in, in front of the net. I can remember the cross thing that went on and the physical play that they don't allow anymore. But he came from a different era, and he—he was—I guess he was as—he's as tough a goaltender as I've ever seen. Yeah, I think so, and he, he was good, too. They, he won a cup for them, right? Yeah, I won a bunch, actually. And, uh, you know, um, I think his attitude was kind of part, partly responsible for the way they played against us when they, they were winning their first cup. They came into to Boston and determined that, you know, nice German Gillies determined they were going to play with some physicality, which they hadn't. And, and certainly Billy Smith provided it in goal. But um, let's, let's just move on to the blue line for the, from this team, which is having such a remarkable season. You know, Chara leaves a huge hole a couple of years ago, and the position needs a kind of an upgrade. And we'll get to everybody, but the most recent, or, well, last year's edition was Hampus Lindholm. And I think many of us thought he was a, he was a good player, but. You know, he plays on the West Coast team. He played for the Anaheim Ducks, who were just dreadful. And and they made the deal. And he, I remember he came in really cocky. He said, I'm going to make a difference. I want to make a difference. I'm going to do this and that. And I thought, wow, this guy really thinks a lot of himself. But his injury kept 
last year in the playoffs kept us from seeing what he could do, but um, he has been terrific this season. Um, what do you like about his game? What don't you like about his game? Because there's not much not to like. Not very much. You, you put it right. Not very much. And uh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I had seen him play on TV. That's about all I knew about. And uh, I thought when we made the deal that, you know, we have our scouts and John Sweeney. We had to know something about him to make that deal. And, uh, or at least have, have uh, their thinking was that this guy is good. It just hasn't shown up yet because it didn't take long before he was pretty solid here in Boston. He's, you know, he and McAvoy are, I don't know if any other team has a pair quite to match that. They may have a single player, but I don't know if they have a pair. Well, I, I've, you know, I've seen his outlet passes is great. He positions himself really well. I mean, and when he gets in, like he's forechecking half the time now under Montgomery, which is remarkable. I, I mean, there's no fear on the part of the Bruins defenseman to go in and forecheck. Um, and he doesn't seem to show any signs of being shy. So having said all that, and he's like a plus 47 or 50 or whatever the hell it is. Well, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's uh, you know, on track to be an all, uh, one of the all-stars. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Now, you got Eric Carlson in San Jose, a crappy team. He doesn't even kill penalties. But he's got a boatload of points. Yeah. I mean, is that what the Norris Trophy is all about? Well, you got to remember who is picking it, you know. And they go by points. I mean, they wouldn't ignore points at all. They might ignore, to a degree, you know, a solid defenseman. Uh, but they'll never know, uh, ignore a defenseman who has points. That, to me, is something they can hang their hat on to get criticized. And uh, you're right about this kid. I mean, he, he may not have the points, but he's, he's got enough because he's a solid in every area. I like him a lot. And, you know, uh, it was Gretzky on TNT last week who suggested they sort of a, they sort of break down the Norris Trophy into the Norris Trophy for all-around defensemen and the Orr Trophy for offensive defensemen. What's your thought on that? They haven't done that yet. No, they haven't, but that's what he was suggesting. But I mean, I don't think you need to do that. I just think, but I just think if you're voting on it, like the guys that are, the writers that are voting on it, they're going to go for points. And I know, I, I, as a guy, as you know, didn't um, garner a lot of points, a fair bit, but nothing like these guys are doing. Oh. You know, defenseman is, is a much more well rounded game than just finding a way to, shoot the puck or make a pass on the offensive end. It's defense is, is defense. And, and I don't see that from Carlson. No, I, you're right. I mean, this is, this is a solid, you know, thoroughly balanced player in all aspects of playing defense. I think, I mean, he doesn't, he, he you're right. He's in there end a lot, but he never gets caught <laughs> or seldom gets caught. You know, it's almost as if you see the, the blue line try to keep in a bounce puck or something, they'd get caught more. But 
Yeah, we're real. I'm really happy with him. Yeah, and so then you add him to McAvoy, who you mentioned, and what we said about Lindstrom, you could probably just say ditto to McAvoy, except he's a little bit nastier, isn't he? Yes, he is. He is. He won't shoot enough. He, he's doing better now, but he, his, he would have he would have some. They set him up, or he gets himself set up in pretty good shooting position, and uh, and and doesn't score very often. You know, uh, if his the position he's in to score a goal comes to him as often as it does to anybody in the league, but he can't finish or he doesn't finish. He makes another pass most of the time. Yeah, he's but but that one two punches. I mean, I would would you consider them certainly the two of them are both now ranked in the top half dozen at the worst ten in the league for defensemen, right? Yeah. I, I mean that's a that's a pretty good luxury for any team to have. So so you start with that and then you're you know, you're the GM, you're Don Sweeney, you're at the deadline or just about at the deadline. And there's lots of talk about adding a defenseman. A lot of talk was about the big kid Gavrikov from Columbus, a big body, but not quite the Montgomery kind of, you know, let's get into the offense kind of guy. He's just, you know, a steady defender. Then there was talk about Luke Shan, the guy that was leading the league in hits from Vancouver, who was just about as, you know, defensive as you can come. And then out of the blue, um, Sweeney trades for Dimitri Orlov. And I've always liked him, but not as much as I do now, having seen him. It's been uh, an eye-opening experience to see how well-rounded and uh, maybe just not being John Carlson's partner and being your own man has, has allowed him to grow. What do you think? I mean, he's been pretty impressive well, to me. I didn't see him play. I couldn't make the comparison between then and now, but, I, you know, now is is really good, really good. I was about to say, as we were talking about uh, McAvoy and and um, uh, oh, the other one, Lindholm, Lindholm, Yeah, this guy is, you know, gives you a third defenseman. That I don't, I don't know how you could ever improve upon that. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not Savard, Point and Robinson, but they're they're as good as they're better than any top three in the league, I think. Yeah, and. You know, they, Savard and, and the Point and Robinson, you know, I had, I had two of them on that team, Canada's team, and they were they were really good players. But, you know, that was a heck of a team uh, in Montreal that they played with. I mean, it was, it was a difficult team not to play good on defense because you really didn't have to carry the puck very far. You didn't have to follow the play as closely as these guys do today. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I had some, as I said, I had Savard and LaPointe. And, and, uh, yeah. and, you know, I, they were terrific players and really good team guys. That's the one thing I learned from that series. So the Montreal players that we had uh, Savard and uh, Lapointe and uh, the little winger Coimway. Right. They had a, <clears throat> they had a sense of team that 
those players anyway had a sense of team that you know was eye-opening for me really and uh, it was just, they were good players I mean they were really good but they don't they weren't that much better than these three I'll tell you that and probably the only thing that separates this spot right now is the Stanley Cups right right you know when I look back at that and I have recently looked back at Every once in a while, I look at back at a string of seasons we played against Montreal for the Cup or on a run to the Cup, ending in the too many men in the ice game. I look yeah. back at the roster, they had nine Hall of Famers. I mean, nine. We had a Cup. We had Park and Cheevers, who didn't wind up playing for us at that time, and John Raquel, but that was that was about it. Yeah. Uh, not not it because we were a hell of a team, but I mean, um, it was it was that team was stacked. But this team that we're talking about now today's Bruins on the blue line, where everybody knows you're going to get whacked on the blue line in the playoffs. It's such a long run. It gets more physical. Maybe not like it was back in the day, but still, yeah. the, back, the back end of the back end has turned out to be, I think much better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I, I, Grizzlick can skate, but I was worried about his durability. Still a little worried about that. He's a pretty cool customer with a puck, isn't he? Well, he can handle the puck. He knows how to get in position to make the pass out of our end. He's got a lot going for him, but he has to fight for it because of, you know, his size and he really can't, even if he was a physical uh, mentality type player, he, he really couldn't play that way uh, with his size and uh, but he can handle the puck he knows where to make the pass once in a while he gets a good shot up and scores and then and on the other side of that coin is Clifton I mean this kid is a rugged kid and I talk, had to talk with Marshawn one he says I just love being on the ice with him. <laughs> so, yeah he, he's nose to nose with anybody and he's his puck skills seem to have improved dramatically. They have. He, he, he's a real good skater, you know. And, uh, he's not he's not big in terms of height, which may you know hinder him a little bit. But he, you know, he's that defense score, and and the improvement on on uh, Carlos has been, you know, it's been yeah. real. Tell me about what happened here. Is this, is this, we'll get to Montgomery in a minute, but is, is it just a change in coaches? Does he feel more comfortable? I mean, he, he seems to be enjoying the fact that he can jump up into the play offensively, but he, he, I guess it's confidence. I mean, his skill set didn't change much, but he, he just seems to be a much better player, isn't he? Yeah, I, I have no idea. I, I'm not very that close to the scene. And, you know, I think, as you said, he, you know, he's still not a big offensive threat, so I don't notice that. But I notice he's a heck of a lot more confident playing, and not only that, he kind of gets involved more than he, he has a, in his career up to this point. You know, he may have just had the come to Jesus moment, yeah. Uh, you know, because he's a different player. He's very helpful on defense. So if you take those, you know, and the other guy, Clifton adds, a, you know, we talked about him, but he adds a 
sense of, of I don't care type of checker, you know. If you, you know, no, he doesn't care, does he? That's, that's a great way to put it. Um, but one guy that we haven't seen in a while has been, has really emerged for me or did earlier in the season before he got hurt was Forber. I mean, he was, he was killing penalties, blocking shots. And that's why he went down, I guess, a block shot. But he too seems to have emerged as a, a solid player on the back end. Yeah. I've always, until this year, been a very average, uh, fan of him. You know, I thought he, I thought he had a bad mistake that, you know, and some defensemen make it. He would back in so far on the shooter, especially if the shooter was coming down the boards. And he'd back in so far that when he turned to go, the guy was in shooting position. And if he wasn't, he was, he was got down the boards far enough that he could center the puck to somebody coming in from the other side. And I, a terrible, terrible mistake is to back in so the guy never goes around you. That's all you do. That's all you stop him from. He can do everything else except go around you. But he can, you know, I mean, we had a guy, Dallas Smith, who was recognized as a fair defenseman. And on a two-on-one, like, he would back in. You know, he, would, he was the one. And he'd back right into the goal and he'd say to the goalie, well, I took one guy. Why didn't you take the other? The guy, the guy was walking in the door. <laughs> well, you, you know, by the way, speaking of backing in, there was a goal against St. Uh, I guess it was St. Louis the other. No, it was Pittsburgh. And McAvoy was playing a two-on-one. And he did. I don't know if you remember how Kevin Lowe, now the Hall of Fame Edmonton defenseman, used to do it. But sometimes on two-on-one, he would slide across the ice into the shooter. And lie down, and so uh, taking away any on-ice pass, you'd have to really feather the pass to get it over his body. He always slid into the shooter, which closed the gap and made it tougher for the puck carrier to do anything with it. When McAvoy was on the ice the other day, I don't know if you remember the goal, he, he just slid straight back into Swayman and knocked into him and knocked him into the net. That's good. Yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah, I feel like I ought to go to, I ought to, I ought to, go to the rink and have a little discussion with him. <laughs> yeah, it's a way to play a two-on-one that way. It's risky now, especially because if you take escapes out, you're going to the penalty box. But that's another story. But that that brings us to the, the forwards, which now it's uh, if you if you think that there's depth on the blue line, and you've got to acknowledge the same in goal. I mean, this has been a pretty remarkable emergence, renaissance of the forwards. I mean, the top line, obviously, I'm going to spend a lot of time on it, except for maybe DeBrusque. I will say this, Marshan has not played very well for me lately. Maybe he's no. just floating until the end, and Bergeron is in the load management course. And well, Talk to me about that. Resting players. Load management is the new term. You know, don't put too much on their shoulders. Now, they rested Bergeron for two games. They've rested Marshan before, Lindholm before, McAvoy. Is that a problem, or is that the way to go? Well, I, I think back to, you know, a statement Bobby Clark made to me when he was playing for that Team Canada and I was the coach. You know, he, he said, I don't want to miss games because 
practice is three times as hard as the game physically, you know? And he said, I am ex- absolutely exhausted after a practice. And you know, then, if it was you know, one of your practices, I know why. <laughs> a few times I practiced with you, I mean, for a few months there when you took over as interim coach, I mean, it was skate, 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 and that's the name of the game, isn't it? Yeah, well, I thought it was, especially if you're losing, you know. And, uh, you know, Bobby was saying, and then he's right. I mean, in practice, you usually, the whole 20 guys are skating around doing something at the same time. Except when so you are have- you saying that it's not bad to give them the time off and let them practice? He he said that, but he said you're not really giving them time off. All they do is practice because it's tougher than the game. So he did yeah, not. That's interesting. Like some of the trainers we had used to call games deconditioners because yeah. you only get what what do you get if you're a forward? You get 15 minutes. If you're a busy defenseman, you get 20. But you're not as active as forward. So I mean, yeah. I, I guess right. yeah. load management is the way to go, but. I I am a little nervous about Marshan lately. Just being, I, I, you know, I think we both have him. It's not the best left wing in Bruins history. Pretty damn close to it. Yeah, he is, along with Busick, you know, probably the two best we've ever had. You know, and Claire Marsh. I love him as a... And, and to sum up, Bergeron, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer and one of the classiest, most intelligent players I've ever seen in this organization. Is any comparison to John Rattel? There are some, definitely. There are some. I remember when we had Craig Channing, and uh, he was really getting to me because he wouldn't check the puck carrier, you know. And I, he said, well, pay me like Gretzky, and I will. Well, Gretzky never checked the puck carrier either. Oh, that's the point I was making to him. I said, you know, Gretzky doesn't check the puck carrier, but he steals it from him sometimes. Like, he'll beat you, or or you'll beat him in uh, coming out of our end. But he'll trail you and and catch you, not catch you, but you'll have to do something with the puck. He'll check you from behind. I said, Craig, you don't even do that. <laughs> yes, you weren't known for you weren't known for your subtlety, Harry. <laughs> so tell me your, your opinions about DeBruck. This is a guy that you know. A year or so ago, he was whining, wanted to be traded, and they stuck with him. Made a coaching change, and all of a sudden, he looks like a bona fide thirty goal scorer. He does he does? Now he had a his father was a pretty rugged player. You played against him, right, yeah. Louis? So he was a pretty rugged player, not highly skilled or anything. I I think there's some influence that paid off there. You know, I, I when he when he was kind of whining and has to be traded and all this stuff, I do think, you know, the father was in in play. I'm not sure, and I have no. I'm just I'm just surmising that it could have come up. Because well, that's still a pretty damn good first line, but that big really now looks like it'll be the check line again. Um, yeah. So I think Crazy opened the door to this. He just 
you know, you know, top two centers are just essential to be a contender. And Krejci, maybe he's lost a half a step, but he's still a damn good player. But the guy that surprised me is Zaka. I mean, I thought at the beginning of the year he was just another body, just a kind of skilled but kind of soft. And he's come a long way, hasn't he? He has, Mike. And, and I think the secret to his success, because I saw him the same way you did, uh, is his speed. He's got incredible speed. And when he comes from behind and the play slows down the other team's blue line or on the way in, he hits he hit the area where the puck is, you know, so many times at full speed. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, I don't know, he's announcing to himself that that's what I got to do. You know what I think, though, Harry, is I think, he, he, I think he's adapted to the work ethic. You know, I think he probably yeah. could all skate, but he, he didn't push himself. Yeah. And that's, I, you know, what was he, fifth or sixth overall? He just, you know, he's on a tough New Jersey team now that are playing better, but on a tough New Jersey team, and he didn't know how to push himself. He hangs around with Marchand and Bergeron and, you know, some of these other guys that, that work hard, and all of a sudden he's found a new level of workmanship, for lack of a better phrase. Well, it's easy to do because, you know, if you're forward and you look up the ice and the play's 40, 50 feet ahead of you, and it looks like it's going nowhere. You, you don't, you don't bother trying to catch up. That's laziness, and that's that's not pushing yourself. Because the guys that do come from behind, as an example, I'm making, are the guys with all the scoring chances. And uh, he didn't, he, he didn't push himself at all. He he's really come along. Yeah, and that brings me to our wonder kids. The, the man-child, Pasternak, who's, uh, you know, pushing for 60 goals right now. But also, he also manages to tweak some people because of his carelessness for the puck just inside the offensive blue line and other places as well. Um, you can't argue with the goal production. You can't argue with his panache, you know, his, like, swashbuckling kind of attitude in some ways. Do you worry about his? I don't. I, yeah, well, I, well I, I worry about him giving the puck away, but he's got the puck. It's, it's not a bad thought either. He doesn't really. I think they make him more of it than they should because he loses it quite often at the other team's blue line. You know, that bothers me. And what happens when players lose it at either line is you get going with the puck, your teammates think you're going to get out uh, of our end because you're moving with the puck, and then they think you're going to get into their end because you're coming with the puck, and you lose it, and they're heading with you. They can't get back. That's what happens uh, when players lose the, lose the puck at our blue line. You know, it's yeah. win- the wingers are underway. You know, they what I see him trying to do too much of is play one-on-one. Now, I don't have, care how good you are in the league, maybe Conor David notwithstanding. Um, it's really difficult to beat people one-on-one. And I always thought my rule of thumb should be, if you're going to try to beat somebody one-on-one, it better results 
immediately and directly in a scoring chance. You know what I mean? You're coming out of the corner, you dipsy doodle one-on-one. But even if you beat somebody at the blue line, you're not going to get a chance right away. There's going to be another line of defense that finds you right away. And, and it becomes more dangerous, obviously. So I always thought, okay, you're going to beat somebody, do it from the hash marks down. And then we've got time to recover. But you do it out at the top of the blue line, then, you, as you pointed out, you're, you're sticking your wingers with, or your line mates with, you know, a load of laundry to cut, carry back down to the defensive zone. Yeah, because they assume that, you know, you're not going to lose it or give it away there. That's why the blue line, you can't, you can't move the puck there and lose it. You can't because the rest of your team, particularly your two forwards, uh, other than you, they're starting to move because you've got control and you're in charge and all of a sudden, you know, but your point about him uh, going one-on-one too much is I've been noticing something that, like that, and I didn't know what it was. And when you brought it up there, I thought, see, maybe I should watch a little. It looks to me that when he's got control of us, he entices the other team to come and try and check him. So he ends up one-on-one when he shouldn't be, you know? I mean, it's almost if he looked at a, a player, a defenseman, or, or or not even a defenseman, and and heads towards him to see if he can go around him rather than doing something else. I know it's true. I always wonder why did you go there. I mean, you, you, you know, but yeah, you can go left or right. You don't need to go center all the time. <laughs> yeah, that. Kind of, oh, um, especially you know you, these good players like. That McDavid kid, I mean, he's sensational, but, you know, good players like like uh, Bergeron and and uh, and these great centers that Montreal used to have, you know, they don't, they try to stay away from one-on-one. <laughs> and uh, there is a tendency, I think you're right about, um, about Pachanak, to go to try and well, I, I mentioned that, that he's kind of trying to go one when he doesn't have to. You know, I mean, there's a thrill once you take a guy like one-on-one. I don't know if that's what he's seeking or not. Yeah, well, he could be, but, you know, I, I mean, I think there's I think there's a way, and maybe it's just he's still pretty young, but I think there's got to be a way to take that out of his game without taking away from his game, if you know what I mean. It's a useless or, or it's a, it's such a high risk proposition that he deals with when he, when he gets standing still or tries to go one on one just inside the blue line. It's just not worth, you know, and they've got so many people that will retrieve, retrieve the puck for him that I don't think he, you know, I think he can give that up there. And, and I think somebody's got to make him make sense of that, especially in April, May, and June. Yeah. Well, you know, talking about, trying to get a player to to make sense of what you're trying to tell them. I think it's part of the job of coaching. I mean, you know what you want to tell him, but maybe he's all muddled up by the way you put it or whatever. Not, I'm not pointing that out in this instance, but I was on with your old friend Ted Donato the other night. He has a little show, something like you had. Yeah. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. I was on with him and I said, something, something 
comparable to what we were just talking about. But I said, remember, I wasn't even close. I was just a second guesser in the stand. But after the game, I went to him. I said, you know, we're in Hartford. I said, you know, you're losing. I think you're losing too many penalties. And he said, well, we're at about even. And I said, well, look, look at it this way. The risk-reward is not in your favor. I was talking about it in our end. He said, if you try to win and you're just as good as the other player, no better, no worse, you're going to win 50% of them. What do you get out of winning? You get out of our end. What does he get out of winning? A chance to score a goal. I said, it's not worth the risk. Just make sure you don't lose it in our end. And you'll end up winning some. Uh, and yeah, I remember that. I remember you, the, the thought was you should always, your mindset should be, what do we do if we lose the draw in the defensive zone? You got to know where to go. You got to know where to go. And, and they, once they get the puck, it's a hell of a lot riskier than when you get it. All you can do, I mean, all you get out of it is out of your end. <laughs> so we went through the top two lines. But as you know, when it comes playoff time, the, the bottom six forwards, for whatever reason, I guess because everybody pays attention and really gears up for the top offensive players, which somehow manages to free up the bottom six forwards. Or they, they become, they score bigger goals. It's funny how that works out. I think you'd agree. But the third line, if Taylor Hall becomes healthy, looks to me, now I'm guessing, I'm not trying to tell Jim Montgomery how to do his job, but looks to me that it could very well be Taylor Hall, uh, Charlie Coyle, who I think has become, if not the best third-line center in the league, one of them, and Tyler Bertuzzi, who's a mucker and a grinder. You know, he looks like, reminds me of Pigpen, you know, the old Charles Suge's Peanuts commercial. You know, <laughs> you know, he doesn't look like he cares about what how his uniform looks like. He doesn't put any tape on his stick, and but he, he certainly can forecheck and he's got some skills and make some plays. It's a hell of a third line, isn't it? I thought so. And I think the fourth line, you know, is going to be highly rated for so-called fourth line. You can remember when we never numbered the lines. I thought that was, you know, I used to, in those days, think it was kind of insulting, you know. I'm on the fourth line. We just used to say, you know, uh, you're up. Uh, yeah, but, but that was also a time when the fourth line played like, you know, Espo would get 25 minutes. <laughs> so there was no time for the fourth line. So you're happy just to find a jersey there. But I, I know what you mean. It was it's always been sort no, of. I, I'd sooner in those days call up by the center's name. Let's throw your lines up. Rad, your lines up. At the fourth yeah. line. Like that. But that found its way into the newspaper. And I think into the media. And they use it all the time. It's kind of. Well, you know, whatever, whatever they call that that unit with coil in the middle, uh, I mean, you got an MVP on one side and a guy that you know Bertuzzi clearly had some good offensive years, and Coil, who's great with the puck, good on the draws, good penalty killer. It's it's. I don't see a better third line in the league right now. No, and uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> oh, I. That's just me. I think, geez, I don't want to call him the third line. I want him to play most of the game. All right, we'll give him Coyle's line. But 
but but but there's another group with Nosek in the middle, and no, I I've come to really enjoy watching this kid play. He's he gets his nose, gets his nose dirty. Right, Steve Sterling, you know, who's still scouting for Ottawa, told me yeah. about him at the beginning of the year. Said, "Gonna gonna love this kid. He's gonna not gonna get any goals for you, but he's gonna do exactly what he's told, and he's gonna be involved in every situation." And he's been he's been effective, hasn't he? I think so. Surprise to me. I mean, how can they get rid of players like that? I don't know. Especially, well, I'm not making a lot in the guy on his right side right now is the guy they picked up from Washington and Hathaway. What's your read on him? I think he's real in what he's trying to do for us. I'm not certain of it yet. But I think he's real. He probably has more skill than he's been able to show because he's been so centered on what he thinks why he thinks the team wants them. And, and I'm, I'm guessing at all this stuff. Like I'm not in the locker or anything like that. But that's right. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I mean, we've seen other guys come in here and all of a sudden, you know, uh, they've they've blossomed. But there's a decision on the other side. I mean, I think Hathaway's earned his stripes and so is Nosek. But assuming Foligno comes back, Lauco has shown some great speed and ability to forecheck. Trent Frederick Frederick at 16 goals. I mean, I who, who, who earns that spot? I know. I know. It's, uh, well, it's funny when the team gets... You know, I mean, that's why Ottawa... You're not in the playoffs for 10 straight years. Or Buffalo. They're, they're going to be 11 years this year. Or 10. How can that be when you have the number one draft picks every year and everything else? You have an organization that doesn't know how to play. You get right. all, all good players, or, or, you know, should be good players and should develop into good players. But, you know, I mean, I'd hate to have, be 10 years without making the playoffs in Boston. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't go into filing shopping. They'd kill you. <laughs> well, I, I, I've said this many times. You know, yeah, you hear the term "the culture" has to change, but it, 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 I, I don't know what exactly that means, except that it starts it started with you, and it's carried to the coach. You had to continue to espouse those values, and then it had to be with especially the leadership of the team. But over the course of your, I mean, this this team. You know, you got two guys in, in, in the front office, and Neely and Sweeney, who are, you know, you mentored and were protégés of yours and, you know, players for you, and they got it. They they got it. They made a really big gamble to make a coaching change, but they felt they needed to get something different, a different voice, to get back to where they needed to be. And, it, and you know, a lot of people doubted it, but it worked. Yeah, um, and it's a credit to them, but that gets me to Jim Montgomery. I mean, I call him Mr. Rogers, you know, every day's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. You know? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the way you got to do it. I mean, he communicates, I hear him on the bench and, you know, he's chirping away and, but he gets to, he, he's, he certainly got the people. And in the beginning, I didn't think this, let the, let the, the, the defenders jump up into the offense. No, I see them on the forecheck all the time, as we talked about with Lyndon. It's not just him. It's everybody. It's a it's a fun way for a defenseman to play. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you talk about Montgomery. I, mean, I talked to him 
you know, a little more than I did uh, Bruce Cassidy. But I talked to Jim maybe every week or 10 days. And I, I, was, I told him, when you talk to me, you're only going to get observations. You're not going to get any ideas or any any way to play that I would prefer. And all you're going to get is observations uh, of the last game. And I don't I don't want it any different than that. But you know, he's like, you know, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. I'm glad you feel that way. You know, I mean, some of the things I say, he should say, no, no, I don't want to. You know, what he does, but that's all right. But he's, he's, I like Cassidy, too. I didn't have any problem with him. So Yeah, they're riding at the top of the Western Conference, which, you know, I um, uh, guess gets me to this. They're, it's pretty clear now that and Pittsburgh is failing, but the three options for the Bruins to play are Pittsburgh, the Islanders, and Florida. Which yeah. one scares you? But Pittsburgh, yeah. Well, I've lost a little of the fear I had about Pittsburgh of 10, 20 games ago. Uh, I haven't seen Florida recently. Well, why did you lose the fear? You just didn't think they had the, the, the depth or the goaltending? Or... Yeah. And, uh, you know, Latang, you're talking about Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Pittsburgh. Latang got hurt, and his father died, I think. Yes. I'm not, you know, he was a stalwart player on it, or he is a stalwart player. And I think it's affected them a little bit. And their goaltending is not the best in the league. Um, and I haven't lost total, complete faith in it. I just think they've, they were the three I was thinking about a month ago. I think I'd have them at least equal with one and two. But not recently. I mean, we played them the other day. I was, Eleanor's birthday, so I was at her party. But I was sneaking peeks all the time, you know. <laughs> and and uh, they didn't look like they used to look this year. And you know, I mean, you, when you play Crosby and um, Malkin, you could you could lose the game any game any time, you know, any. No matter what's at stake, nothing or everything. I mean, there's there's star players like like uh, Edmonton has, and uh, you know they they didn't look. I didn't notice Crosby and Malkin as much. I should have, but maybe I didn't see much of the game, so I shouldn't say that. No, they weren't. <clears throat> you know, they got involved a little bit, but nothing like they're not dominant anymore. They don't. They that that team doesn't scare me. Florida. Um, Kind of an enigma, you know. You never know what who's going to be in goal for them. But <clears throat> it's uh, a team that won the President's Trophy last year, but doesn't seems to have come on. But I'm I'm not sure they have the the depth that Boston has or anything. I think uh, right down the line, they don't scare me. I like Carolina. I mean, they're yeah, but that's down the line. I like Carolina, too. But in the first round, what about the Islanders? What's your thought on them? Well, they can beat them, that's for sure. Uh, I think we can beat them. Their goaltender is 
Sorokin is, you know, he's emerging as a big-time goaltender. Some people yeah. whisper about, you know, Vezina Trophy, which I think is a little early, but his stats are pretty pretty gaudy. Um, and, you know, that team scares me a little bit, but I, I just don't think they have the off. They have they got some decent offensive talent, but um, I just think there's just too much across the Bruins depth chart to, to, to be worried about. Especially on, yeah, go ahead. Especially on defense against their offense. Their offense is good, but it's not not an offense our, our defense should be able to do a good job on. Is, but, has Tampa's window finally closed? Well, you know, I watched them play the last game against the Bruins, and they were okay. They could have won the game. They don't. They they don't have that. What they had. I mean, they were. Of course, that coach. You know, he's always coming up with nine different systems. You know, I read the Florida papers sometimes. <laughs> you know, I remember when he came to playoffs uh, against the Bruins a few years ago, and uh, we beat them. But it was seven games. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, that was overtime too. Overtime, and he. Went to great lengths to explain to our press how the system he established, and it was that one guy would come back. We lost the puck in the other team's end. Escape back behind our his defense and wait for us to shoot it in. You know, I got to tell you, I, I saw that thirty five, forty years ago. <laughs> he said, "I thought of this new idea." And, you know, Del Vecchio, when Holland Del Vecchio. And I think Lindsay was on the line. You know how long ago that is. They would send Alex back right away. He'd go almost get to, to their own net by the time he shot the puck in. It was to stop shooting the puck in, right? And and so everybody copied it for a while, and then it went down, went stale because people could counter it a little better than when it was introduced. And he gave this Boston Press this big story about how in practice he discovered it once. <laughs> well, listen, we're about out of time, but in the in the conference past that first round, you talked about Carolina. They scared me, but a lot less so now that Svechnikov's out with injury. I mean, when they lost Pacioretty, their offense, they play with a kind of uh, aggressiveness, if you like to see. Uh, I mean, has Toronto got any chance to come out of this conference? They have because their offense is always there, you know. Uh, and they should have won. A number of first round series in the last few years, but that's on them because you know Toronto just plays as if it's, it'll it'll win. We know how to play hockey in Toronto better than any place in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm starting to like New Jersey. I think they might be a little too young to get it done, but boy, they put a lot of good pieces together. But I will say this: I, I stayed up late to watch Edmonton and Los Angeles play last night. Yeah, they played that wide open. Fun style. I mean, there was not a lot of chances in the first period, but afterwards, there's so much speed. Yeah. You worry it's not just Colorado. It should be Edmonton's been one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league record-wise for the last six weeks. And L.A. has been pretty consistent right through. So they'll have their work cut out from through the Eastern Conference, and then they'll have a you know, piece of cake. But you know what that's like. It's not easy to win a cup. Well, you know, when you had a face, McTavish and... Dry title. I mean, McDavid, yeah. 
I mean, it is just a big, big job to uh, prepare for them. The, the guy that we just signed, named Meyer, we just signed a guy from Michigan. Right. Supposed to, to him. Supposed to be a hot shot defenseman. Well, his uh, one of the coaches he played against said, "There's only one way to defend them. You can't go, you can't go at them one on one. He beats you every time. You got to have kind of layers as as he comes up the ice. So when he beats the first guy, maybe the second guy can have a chance. You know, and he described playing a player like him in layers. Well, it's pretty. He made some. He said he'll be in the uh, in the NHL next year, if not sooner. Yeah. Edmonton time is coming. It's just a matter. I mean, you just that guy seems like he's he's uh, focused on getting the job done, and he, he oh, is special. What a player! Well, listen, I kept you long enough. I could keep you another hour or so, but I love talking to you. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time, and um, we'll catch up to you in a little while. Okay, Mike, and we'll do it again sometime, maybe in the playoffs or something. That'd be great. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Bye.